Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. By the way, join us during the week on Fox Business. The name of the show is Kudlow, 4 to 5 p.m. every day. And if you can't, uh, if you can't make it at 4, get your favorite 9-year-old to DVR the show so you'll never miss a thing. We just had our one-year anniversary. It's been a great year. And it's been a successful year, so come along in the afternoons. Anyway, we've got a great friend, Congressman Kevin Brady from Texas, ranking member of the House Ways and Means Committee. Good morning, Kevin. Thank you. Hey, good morning, Larry. So it's been a year. Congratulations. Yeah, it's been a year. Wow, that's been great. I'm I'm still standing or still sitting or something. Oh, man. You're right in your element all the time. <laughs> You're just made for this. <laughs> and, you know, the thing's done well. The ratings have really done well. So it's a blessing. All no, things are a blessing. So, Kevin, I, I want to talk about inflation and so forth. But, you know, you're watching this um, this whole Putin-Russian-Ukraine drama. Uh, every other day, Biden is predicting an invasion of the Ukraine. And, and meanwhile... He's doing everything he can to slaughter our domestic energy industry. We just had this FERC regulations. You probably saw yeah. it. Uh, and we'll probably never build a new, another new pipeline in this country ever again because they're superimposing climate and environmental changes in ways that nobody ever intended. I mean, what do you think about this whole story? Yeah, it seems it seems incredible that, that as we're facing Russia, he continues these attacks on American-made energy. And you're right, there's no question these new rules uh, are going to drive prices up. It is going to discourage investment in in U.S. energy and getting it to where it needs to get for refining and and delivery back out to folks. And and you you can't help but think, wouldn't it be great if we had a president who put America's interests ahead of Russia in other foreign countries? But when it comes to energy, it's, it's consistently anti-American in that approach. And, and yet he decries inflation as he's driven it uh, upward. And now as Congress, the Democrats are now talking through a gimmick, you know, suspending the gas tax, a gas, <coughs> fuel prices that they help drive up in a major way. And then, yeah, obviously I have to ask the question, what about all the food prices, the clothing prices, the housing price, everything else their policies have driven up? So, yeah, it just seems it seems that I, and I don't understand the policies, except there is this Green New Deal, you know, approach that infects everything in the administration, from trade to domestic policies to taxes. You know, uh, the Green New Deal, so-called, is itself inflationary, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, what are you doing here? You're cutting back on the supply of fossil fuels, which is whatever it is, 75% of our energy. You're cutting back on that 
which jacks up the price, which will raise the inflation rate. Now, you're right. The inflation is spread all throughout the economy, and that's what these price indexes show. Uh, the diffusion indexes, I mean, probably 75% of the prices are going up. But it's just odd to me. Take the Federal Reserve. You've got this woman, Sarah Bloom Raskin, mm. who would be the top supervisor, uh, who has said during 2020 the Fed's emergency lending should not help fossil fuel companies. She would like to divert bank capital and bank credit away from fossil fuel companies. The SEC is waging war against fossil fuel companies. FERC is waging war against fossil fuel companies. I mean, there isn't a certain insanity here, and we have nothing uh, to replace them with, nothing with which to replace them. The renewable fuels is still a tiny amount of our energy. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't get this, and I, I would think, Kevin Brady, that, that Putin, Vladimir Putin, looking at this would have a big smile on his face, you know, a big smile on his face. Can you imagine if the roles were reversed? If we in America are watching Russia uh, and its leader, you know, destroy its own uh, energy production, delivery, transmissions uh, in the country, we, we would be stunned by it. Yet he's he has uh, uh, the opportunity to watch this happen here at home. And, and there's more of that, Larry. So I know in the president's budget, you know, he's talked a lot about infrastructure, but they have a standing order not to not to support infrastructure in ports that expand cargo for oil and gas. So they did discourage that. Their new letter of the governors, which is don't use your infrastructure funding to increase road capacity, just maintain what we have, which makes no sense in growing states like Texas and Florida and others. And it's just on and on and on. Again, I don't think it gets the the the, the media attention it deserves because it's just so so anti growth uh here in the US. Yeah, they've really pulled the rug out. I mean we didn't really we weren't thrilled about the infrastructure bill to begin with, but yeah. just as you say, in terms of bridges, roads and tunnels, uh they've pulled the rug out using environmental yep. and uh endangered species no new roads, no pl no unplanned growth. It is aimed, you're right, it's aimed at Texas, red states like Texas and Florida, successful states. Um, that whole business about, you know, the, the NEPA permitting reforms that we had in the Trump years, uh, that's been overridden. The one federal decision idea has been overridden uh, by these new climate, environmental, endangered species rules. They've completely undermined it. They have, and I think too, as you you made note of Green New Deal, the whole the whole the whole philosophy behind the Green New Deal is drive up energy prices for everyone as high as you can, kill off the oil and gas industry as quickly as you can, uh, and that that's what dri it drives inflation in such a big way. Right now, the other thing I worry about, and you're, you're more knowledgeable than me here, but I really worry about the. The, 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 we may be on the verge or in a wage price spiral because mm. it just seems like housing hasn't yet hit our inflation measurements. Uh, wage inflation is accelerating. Obviously, we know real wages are down and the labor market is awfully tight. And it, it is just that's a spiral no country wants to find themselves in. And certainly for the Fed, you know, all, all of those spirals end badly uh, for the economy and for workers. So I, I, that's, that keeps me up at night. Yeah, I think of it as a price wage spiral because I think all the federal spending and money supply growth 
has jacked up prices, and as people come back to work and the labor markets are relatively tight, they're just trying to keep up, Kevin. Yeah. They're just trying to yeah. keep up with prices. And uh, the, the end result is the same. You've got an inflationary spiral. But the prices have come first. The wages have come second. They're still losing ground. Real, As you know, real wages are, yeah. are still coming down. Um, you know, what's interesting, I wanted to raise this with you. Some of the older Clinton-Obama Democrat economists are turning against Biden. Uh, one of them this past week said that, uh, yeah, there's some pandemic inflation and supply shortages. But he makes a great point is that all the government spending, which has been financed by the Fed, Mm-hmm. has created over-consumer spending. And that's one reason for the supply chain problems. There's too much consumer demand, you know, stimulated artificially uh, by these um, by this budget spending. Yeah, and I noticed even Mark Sandy, Zandy, which is the president's preferred economic <laughs> forecaster, admitted right. that breaking off Build Back Better in chunks will be inflationary uh, as well, which which we know it will. The other, the other thing that worries me, too, more recent news as well, is this thought in the Senate that they're going to revive these tax hikes because that, too, can be uh, inflationary. Those When you raise the cost of doing business, you know, uh, it, it can get spread onto customers if, if the market allows it, which it does right now. Certainly, shareholders take a hit, but those workers in those uh, businesses – you know, have a higher taxes and a higher burden as a result, all of which I think discourage work again uh, and, and uh, contribute to a, much, uh, a worse economy and I think higher prices over time. I also think businesses continue to see that $1.2 trillion in tax hikes looming over them. Hmm. And, I, and I do believe it's had some uh, chilling impact effect on their investment decisions here hmm. over the past year. Certainly, you know, where, where to locate you know, those new plants, that new investment, the new technology, all of which I think affect the supply chain in some way. Yeah, I think um, folks know, businesses know the cavalry is coming, but the cavalry can't really arrive until November. Yeah. So in the meantime, so so you're saying uh, in the Senate, build back better may not be completely dead. The tax hikes may not be completely dead. I hope that's wrong. I do too. Uh, I, I do too. We're staying, bill, but I'm not yeah, sure. We're, we're staying vigilant. We're keeping on our toes here because even a quote slim down package, 1.5 trillion or so, will include the harshest tax hikes uh, that the the president has proposed. So we are we're continuing to uh, to fight the tax hikes both in the House and the Senate, and uh, it's not dead till it's till till this session's over. You know, I would think if you're worried about inflation. You would want lower taxes and lower regulations, which would stimulate the supply side of the economy. So you'd have more money chasing more goods. You would think. In this would, case, it's would. more money chasing fewer goods. Yeah. Not you good. Know, no, and, and <laughs> even if you didn't have an economic philosophy, which would be the president, I'm pretty sure, uh, certainly you had to notice that because of wage inflation, a lot of families found themselves in a different and higher tax bracket. And one estimate from CBO is added about $1,500 in additional taxes on top of the 
$3,500 or so they paid in, in higher costs to buy the same prices. So at the very least, you would think keeping taxes low both on, on the supply side and on families would be the ideal approach here. Kevin, hang with me. i got to take a quick commercial break. I want to come out on the other side and talk about how to end deficit spending, which really right. should be the policy of a responsible administration, how to yep. end deficit spending. Folks, we're talking to Congressman Kevin Brady of Texas. He's a ranking member of the House Ways and Means Committee. Probably no one in the country more responsible for the Trump tax cuts than Mr. Brady. I'm Larry Kudlow. We'll be right back after this brief message. Larry Kudlow. From Wall Street to the White House, this is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. We're talking with Congressman Kevin Brady of Texas. He's the ranking member of the House Ways and Means Committee. Um, Kevin, the newspapers are reporting that um, President Biden's State of the Union, which I guess is March 1st or mm-hmm. something, is going to really talk about inflation. Now, I'm going to guess he's going to blame businesses and business collusion and drug companies and antitrust. How about this? How about a new policy that cuts spending, that cuts deficit spending and tries to move towards a balanced budget? How about that? Yeah, that would be the right course correction here. I think if you look at his eight years in the Obama administration, they blamed George Bush up until the day they left office. So that's his go-to response on almost everything. We saw that inflation and the work shortage, labor shortage, and everything else this past year. So I, I like you. I expect him to continue that approach. But the better approach would be to say, look, um, I know this government spending is helping drive this inflation. We're going to end all the COVID emergency programs now. I mean, and, and recoup the, the money that hasn't yet been spent. Uh, that would be the, the immediate smart thing. We're out of this COVID emergency, but for the testing and the treatments and therapies that they took their eye off of last year, you know, that is the role they can play right now. Uh, because if we don't, in the second thing I ought to say is, and I'm not going to allow that to become, be part of the baseline of our federal budget, because as you know, all that emergency spending. Spending tends to be get in the baseline. Tax relief doesn't. Mm-hmm. And so coupled with inflation, which will drive up spending automatically on its own in future years, including next year, um, you know, he could address that right from the beginning. We, we are going to get all that emergency spending and inflation uh, uh, of the budget out of the budget. That would be a great place to start. Yeah, I mean, it would be a good Republican cry to talk about the need to cut spending. I mean, it's it's not just to prevent defense, but to yep. actually cut spending. Yep. Uh, Russ Vote, the Trump's uh, former budget director, said, if you pass the appropriations bill, now they haven't done that, but the CBO baseline would raise it, you know, current services, discretionary spending would go up. By $250 billion in the next year, 16% increase over 10 years, it would be about $2.5 trillion. In other words, that's the problem. To clarify it, Kevin, you know what I'm saying? To just, yep. Here's his problem. Stop spending. 
You know, Phil Graham said this on this radio show last weekend. He called it pause spending and reform welfare to put back the workfare programs. I mean, I would think you could rally Republicans on that. And eventually you want to move towards a balanced budget, not with tax hikes, but with tax cuts. Yeah, there's no question about that. And I think, too, Senator Graham's point that, look, right now, if we really want to tackle these issues in a big way, um, you know, if we want to compete with China around the world, we'd make our tax cuts permanent to keep U.S. Mm-hmm. very competitive. Mm-hmm. We would, uh, as Republicans have, have, have introduced the bills, uh, return the work requirement to all of our welfare programs, including the child tax credit, which has had a big issue, uh, that we wouldn't fund. We would end government funding of private companies. His point is there's so much, so many subsidies in the Build Back Better and the infrastructure bills that subsidize companies, but at great cost to the deficit. You know, that those are just key movements that Republicans ought to be uh, championing. In the um, Kevin McCarthy's putting together whatever yeah. it's called, the, the new yeah. contract with America, I don't know, whatever yeah. that thing's called. Uh, yeah. Were you able to get in making the Trump tax cuts uh, permanent? We did. We proposed that to the, the new commitment uh, to America there. Right. So he's got a good process going on that really draw, that brings all the elements of the Republican House together. So they're still continuing that in those six task forces. But the Ways and Means Committee you know, developed our priorities for 2022 and 2023 uh, for that agenda. Uh, they haven't completed their work yet, but uh, obviously uh, expanding economic freedom has to start with making those tax cuts permanent. Mm. I think um, I just come back to this. I mean, I'm a supply sider. I'm a tax cutter. But I think the problem in the last couple of years has been overspending. And I think we need to launch a full scale attack on it. It's like, say, Biden, no. It's not about businesses colluding. It's not about pharmaceutical companies. It is about energy. But you've got to stop spending, pal. You've, yep. <laughs> you've got to stop yep. spending. Spend, and, and the Federal Reserve is going to have to, you know, if you stop spending, then at least the Fed won't have to accommodate more spending. I mean, yep. that's yep. one of the problems. I, I mean, I think there's a link between federal spending and, and all this, you know, M2 growth. And the only way that happens is for Republicans to take back the House, because right. even though the president has a veto pen, Congress has the power of the purse. And and that's where we can saw, stop uh, this just radical socialist agenda, and we can stop the spending that's driving so much of inflation. And, and I'm really pleased that a Texan, Kay Granger, first Republican woman to lead appropriations, will have that pen, and she is she's mm. tough on defense and the border and mm. – uh, stuff on spending. So, yeah, I expect a, a wholesale change in, in uh, the checks and balances in Washington. I got to get her on the, the TV show, Kay Green. Yeah, that's no, right. she's a terrific leader. Um, what about the China Compete Bill? $350 billion. Now, I ask you, Kevin Brady, in the midst of this inflation, in the midst of this overspending, seriously, how can Congress consider a $350 billion bill? Honestly, corporate welfare, corporate welfare. 
it is all that one another misnamed bill in <laughs> in Washington under this president. It does nothing to be beyond all the spending and all the subsidies uh, to companies. It does nothing to confront uh, China's predatory trade practices. It does nothing to counter their aggression around the world economically. It doesn't even insist on holding them accountable for the commitments they made uh, in the Trump administration, which are, are the first significant real commitments uh, and specific actions China's ever been forced to do. So it is it does nothing to, to compete with China. I think just the opposite. 18 Republican senators voted for it. 18. Yeah, no, I think I think the challenge is there are individual elements in there that that they put a bipartisan support together. In fact, some of the trade elements in the Senate bill is probably is is the route we ought to go. But okay. um, I, I, this okay. is not a this is not a China bill. Kevin Brady, thank you, sir. We appreciate it, folks. Take I'm care. Kudlow. Thanks, We're going to take a break. Come right back on the other side. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 